Well, today we have a guest preacher, uh, Pastor Ian Cheng, is the uh, pastor of Seattle Chinese Covenant Church, which meets every Sunday in our building just down the hall there in room S150. And uh, he's been a partner of ours for a couple of years. And uh, he is, he's agreed, I've invited him to preach, and he's agreed to come and bring the word and hear a little bit about what God is doing in Chinese Covenant Church, which we are just blessed and privileged to have as, as, uh, as part of our larger family. So would you please welcome Pastor Ian. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Scott. Uh, thank you for everybody's uh, support for Chinese Church, and uh, we are so blessed to be part of you under the same vision of building a multicultural community here in Bell Press. Um, so, good morning, everybody. Today, we are going to examine um, how Jesus had called the first four disciples, and do that to understand the true meaning of discipleship. I would like to invite you to recall your personal experience of becoming a believer, or any of your encounter with God, uh, if you are not a Christian yet. In other words, ask yourself, that how did you become a Christian? And then ask yourself, that in what way do you follow Jesus? Let's talk about some background information before we get into the text. Uh, four disciples were involved in this story. Two pairs of brothers, Peter, Andrew, John, and James. Jesus didn't meet these four disciples for the first time in, in this account in Luke chapter 5. Jesus met Peter and Andrew in the very beginning of his ministry uh, when they were still John Baptist uh, followers. They began to follow Jesus since then uh, for almost a one long year, but yet not with a disciple relationship. Uh, even though they have still have many opportunities uh, to observe Jesus' ministry. Remember in the previous chapter 4, uh, Jesus was invited to Peter's uh, mother-in-law's house uh, to, hear his, to hear her fever. So they knew each other already pretty well uh, before the event happened in Luke chapter 5. So let me read for you Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11 right now. One day, Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listened to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When they had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Go out into deep water. Let down the nets so you can catch some fish. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they have done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partner in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Go away from me, Lord, he said. I am a sinful man. He and everyone with him were amazed at the number of fish they had caught. So were James and John, the son of Zebedee, 
who walked with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, and then they left everything and followed him. Today's text uh, teaches us that we need to realize three main points in order to become a true disciple of Jesus. Number one, God calls us first. Number two, we are sinful. And number three, we need to obey radically. First one, realize God called us first. People are not born to be a disciple of Jesus immediately. Who is going to make the first move? In other words, whether we choose to follow Jesus or Jesus choose to call us first. Luke gave an answer here. He portrayed Jesus as the Savior and he has the authority to call us first. Luke also let us know that there is a special pattern of Jesus' call on his disciple. From chapter 4 all the way to chapter 6, Jesus' authority is the theme of this section. In this section, Jesus finished his call of 12 disciples in three different occasions. Each time before the call, Jesus performed some miracles and then called some disciples. On the first occasion, Jesus healed an official son and Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law's fever before the enlistment of four fishermen. On the second occasion, Jesus healed a leper and the paratics before the enlistment of Matthew. And on the third occasion, Jesus healed a disabled person and a man with a shovel hand before the selection of 12 disciples. Why Jesus had this special pattern? For through this miracle, Jesus can let disciples know he is the God. He has the authority to call them. Please listen once very carefully. This pattern explains that Jesus chose to call upon us first. Now we choose to follow him. Last, the master follower relationship should also be determined by God, not by man. In other words, we couldn't decide how I'm going to follow Jesus or what kind of Christians I would like to become, for Jesus is the one who makes decisions. Number two, we need to realize that we are sinful. In God's call, we can see that we are sinful. Look at Peter's example in verse 4 to 8. This miracle happened on the Lake of Galilee. Lake Galilee is a small lake. It's only six miles wide, 15, 15 miles long, uh, to the depth is about 120 to 155 feet depth. So it's a small lake, but it's pretty deep, just like Lake Washington, okay? And so in this small lake, fishermen use only small boat. However, that night, Jesus asked Peter to use a deeper water uh, dragon net, which is, uh, according to the, the record, is about 328 feet long and about eight feet wide, the big dragon net is not a casting net, which is huge compared to the size of the ship. Then in verse six to eight, uh, seven, 
the miraculous catch of fish almost break that big net and sink the ships. This miracle awake Peter. Peter must have seen some of the Jesus' previous miracle. Yet, not until this personal experience, Jesus didn't, like, didn't realize who Jesus, Peter didn't realize who Jesus really is. Here, Jesus' sovereignty is the issue, which is who Jesus is. You know, for a person who doesn't know God, realizing God's presence and sovereignty always brings him or her a repentant heart to see his or her own sinfulness. Look at that. In verse 8, Peter called himself a sinner, right? After that miracle. What does that word mean, sinner? Sin. The same word was used in Romans 5, 19. Please allow me to read you that verse again. Romans 5, 19. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinner. Also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. So very clearly, Peter knew the meaning of the sinner who is from Adam's disobedience. And this realization is so important for us to answer God's calling, which leads us to point number three. We need to realize we need to obey radically. Since Jesus is the one who decides how we should follow him, what is his turn? In verse 11, we saw disciples left everything and followed Jesus. Uh, in the same account recorded in Matthew 4.19, it records Jesus' words saying, Come, follow me. Follow, this word in Greek, when referring to individual, always means follow someone as a disciple. Jesus and Jesus and Paul, both of them taught a lot of things about how to become a disciple. Even if we take only how they teach about this word, follow, we can find this word was used 18, 89 times in New Testament. I'm going to share with you three uh, passages this morning. Okay, first one is from Luke 9, 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to other men, Follow me. And he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first... Let me, say, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one will put a hand to the prow and look back. It's fit for service in the kingdom of God. Have you heard of this passage before? Another one from Luke 18.22. Jesus said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then... Come follow me. Wow. Third one from Mark 8.34. Then he called a crowd to him along with his disciple and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. You know, after reading this passage, we know Jesus is asking a radical, 
a radical type of following, right? Yet we might think, how can we be possible to match that high standard? How are we going to survive with our family, friends, and job? Isn't God a merciful God? But here, God demands our heart and willingness to totally submit to Him with no reservation, no holding back. Be bold to trust in Him. Not only does the Bible teach us that we have to see first His kingdom and righteousness, and all things will be given to you, our Christian experience also affirms that only after we have done so, God will provide us with everything in now beyond our imagination. Please allow me to share some of my personal experience of being obedient to God's calling. You know, in 2019, um, my wife and I, we uh, to pr- decide to plant a church because we received a calling from God. Uh, God told me that uh, Seattle needs a revival. <laughs> and our church uh, will be the answer of God. And so we, we obey. And we start that church print project with no money and don't, no people. Zero. Zero people. Zero money. You know, the new church print is just as hard as a startup. And I believe it's even harder because it's a non-for-profit. There's no revenue there. And so, uh, you know, and then, and then in that first year, we need, to, we need to prove to the denomination that we deserve a financial support. Uh, we need to raise church fund support. I need to pass assessment, do a lot of training, build up a small code group, uh, build up small groups, you know, things like that. And um, I have had to finish all of those before I can get an okay and get financial support from the denomination. But as a pastor all my life, I don't have much saving, you know. And uh, I remember in the first 11 months, I didn't get paid at all. And then so my wife and I, we worked as a part-time, we took a part-time job uh, as an Amazon shopper. Uh, we do grocery shopping uh, at Whole Food Market for online customer. And uh, it's just a part-time job, doesn't make too much money, uh, but we love it. Until today, we still keep that. We still go to do uh, shopping on our day off on Monday. So if you go to Whole Foods, uh, you can see me on Monday morning. <laughs> okay, but anyway, we, we trust God will provide. And I, gratefully, we did raise about $45,000 for the initial church fund. But that's for the church, not for us personally. And so we just uh, trust God. However, at the end of the last first year, when I was doing the tax, I cannot believe my eyes. You know, God touched so many people's heart and to give us personal donation in the end of the year. And I, I look at the bookkeeping. You know, um, I have exactly the same income as I had in the previous year, 2018. Amen. You know, God, God doesn't uh, owe me anything, not even one penny. So God answered our obedience with a miraculous financial support. You know what? God doesn't need our money. He's he's testing us to see if we are obedient to his calling. When God sees our obedience, he will do his part. God provides everything we need. Later on, we don't even have to spend that $45,000 church fund. 
Until today, that 45,000 still sitting in the bank. I told my church co-worker, don't touch it. Leave it there, but tell the story. This is a testimony of God's providence. You know, so after that very difficult first year, finally, on the February 2020, <laughs> we church are ready to launch. Uh, we had our grand opening on the 23rd of February 2020. It's a very happy moment. We had about 30 people came to the service. We celebrate. But you know what happened? Just one week later, COVID and the Washington State um, stay-at-home order was issued. And the church has to be shut down. You know, uh, amazingly, God already knows. God provides. Five days before our grand opening, I got a meeting with Pastor Jacob. Uh, some of you maybe know Pastor Jacob of Rock Church. A uh, couple of weeks before that, he called me. And he said, Pastor Ian, can we meet? I have something to discuss with you. He didn't say anything specific. I didn't ask either. So we said, okay. So we set out a day. That day was five days before our grand opening. And I just hung up the phone. But after I hung up the phone, I have a thought into my mind. I didn't sort of believe that's from God because it's so clear. My wife asked me, what's that phone call about? I said, Pastor Jacob want to meet. He didn't tell me what he's going to talk about, but I already know. First, he's going to say to me he's leaving Seattle. And second, he's going to entrust his church to me. I say, God told me that. And she said, no way, that's not possible. You know, for Chinese community, I don't know about American, but Chinese community, we heard many stories about church division, even church split. We had never heard of a successful church merger at all. But anyway, I and Pastor Jacob met at the coffee shop. After we were sitting down, you know, the first word came out from his mouth is, Pastor Ian, I live in Seattle. <laughs> and I'm going to entrust my church to you. Are you surprised? I said, no, I already know it. Because God told me. So that kind of, that kind of bonding and uh, a face that we know this is God's doing. And, all, and then after that, in the later following six months, there's a lot of negotiation between two denominations. I can tell you it didn't go pretty well, okay? Uh, it's very difficult. But both... Pastor Jacob and me believe if God wants it to be done, it will be done. And so that uh, after, after that, I, what should I say? Not we. God completes that church merger. Um, and our church grew. You know, so many churches, they had to reduce their uh, congregation meeting during the covid and some churches even shut down, right? But because of that miraculous church merger, our church grew double in pandemics. That's a miracle. Yeah, amen to that. So God ends our obedience with a miraculous church merger. Okay, finally, the stay-at-home order ends in January 2021. And so we start our, uh, our online Sunday service and prayer meeting. Six months later, in July, uh, the entire state was reopened. So we start doing the physical uh, meeting. 
from that time on, another miracle happened. We see new friends come to our service. Every single Sunday, we see new visitors. No exception. And you know we don't, we don't do commercial. We don't do promotion. When you come to our church, you don't even see a church sign here, right? And, and some of them, they, they in, in meeting in the bell prayer, they don't even know there's a Chinese church there in S150. So I don't know where those new visitors come from. I don't know where, they come from nowhere. But they just keep coming every single Sunday for two and a half years. A total of 130 Sundays, non-stop, no exception. Every Sunday we see new visitor. And found out a total of 500 people have visited our church. Yeah, and then some of them move away, but a total of 300 decide to stay. And right now we have about 100 people average on every single Sunday. So God answers our obedience with a miraculous church Grows. Amen to that? Yes. So don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your relationships. God knows it. If God can do that, even in the COVID, God can do everything for you. But you need to be bold. You need to trust God. You need to obey Him regularly. Do you want to experience the same thing? Maybe some of us still haven't learned this crucial lesson of radical obedience in our Christian life. Let's go back to the text. In verse 10, Well be, as me, is the future tense of to be. Future tense imply preparations. Jesus called disciples to equip them for the future ministry. Later example of Jesus' ministry tells us that Jesus allowed failure. So don't disappoint about our failure, but also don't disregard about our failure. We have to correct our wrong thinking and respond God's word to follow him in his way. To conclude, knowing who Jesus is should be our driving force to respond to his call. God has spoken his word and his word is very clear. So let's be sensitive to God's voice around us and action to follow our law as a true disciple. Okay? God bless you. May I again? <laughs> Thank you. Ask Pastor Scott to do the closing prayer. Thank you, Pastor Ian. That was a great word. Um, Jesus, thank you for the privilege you give us of following you. Um, and thank you that you allow our failures and that you don't give up on us and that you continue to call us uh, to follow you more and more. Lord, thank you. Um, it is a privilege. And so help us to respond to your gracious call to follow you, obey you radically, because we know, as Pastor Ian has testified, that you are faithful and that when we follow you, you know everything we need and you provide. Lord, help us to have that kind of faith and that kind of trust as we go from here. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.